0: How many things have you not finished? Come on, let's be honest. Uh, A recent statistic I read said 92% of people give up on their New Year's resolutions during the first week. There are a lot of reasons we don't finish. Uh, Perfectionism, rationalization, fear. We don't give ourselves the right goals and things to finish. You are going to want to listen to this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast where I visit with John Acuff, the author of Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done. This is important listening, important topic. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Grade.us. Reputation management's not something you want to mess around with. Grade.us is the tool we use with all of our clients. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is John Acuff. He is a New York Times bestselling author of, I think now, six books. Uh, What were recently, Do Over, Make Today the First Day of Your New Career, and the one we're going to talk about today, Finish. Give yourself the gift of done. So, John, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's just get the statistics out of the way. Why don't people finish?
1: Well, I mean, it is an epidemic. Um, The stat is 92% of New Year's resolutions fail, for instance, um, I think there's a million reasons. One of them that's really interesting, my, I have a 14-year-old daughter, so she's in the eighth grade, and, she's, and she knows I'm working on this finished project, obviously. It's kind of been the thing I've done for the last two years. And she said, Dad, there's a poster at school that says, it's not the finish line that matters, it's having the courage to start. And so even <laughs> our kids are being taught the wrong thing. Like It is 100% the finish line that matters. Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, if you gave somebody that, like, if somebody was struggling in a marathon, you wouldn't say, Don't worry, you started, you're yeah. fine. Mile uh, one. Or, Woohoo! Yeah, mile four is really <laughs> the most important mile. You'd be like, No, it's not. Like, mile 26.1 to 26.2 is. So I think culturally, part of the problem is that we romanticize the power and importance of the start, and we never talk about the finish.
0: You know, it's funny that I have read a statistic that said that, that more people drop out of a marathon, using your example, at mile 20.
1: Really? Yeah. Well, that's – that's well, and that's – but see, people say things like, um, well-begun is half done or the hardest part of any journey is the first step. No, it's not. Mile 20 is pretty difficult. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know,
0: how many other people have run 20 miles? You know, that's another good sort of rationalization. So – One of the things that, uh, comes up early in the book and is a recurring theme. And it's actually one that I kind of scratched. I mean, I, I agreed with every word of the book, but I did find myself scratching my head at this a little bit that really the culprit that you point out often is perfectionism. And, you know, I, you know, I'm guilty of not finishing things, but I don't think I suffer from perfectionism. I usually, I usually don't finish something because I get bored. So I'm sure you're going to like whack me. Cross ahead and tell me something. No,
1: I mean, I don't think everybody who doesn't finish is because they're a perfectionist. I just think the majority of people, like here's an example. We, you know, the book tried to attack common myths about goal setting that just aren't true. One of them is reach for the moon because even if you'll fail, you'll land amongst the stars. And so the thought is like, even if I only make it to mile 20, I'm super happy. But psychologically, that's never how it works. So, perfectionism comes in and says, great on a pass fail basis. So, you either did 100% or yeah, it was zero. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, you know, people sometimes hear perfectionists and they think, oh, I'm not type A or I'm not detailed, gotcha. I'm not organized. That's a very narrow definition of perfectionism. Perfectionism also says to the person that wants to run five miles a day, you don't, you only have time for three, don't even run one because it doesn't count. Yeah. yeah. So, I would yeah. argue, you know, if you and I had coffee, there's probably some degree of that somewhere in your life. But like when you define perfectionism as type a super clean, super neat, then like, I'm not that way either. Yeah. Uh.
0: yeah. So I've, I dug up some Amazon stats and you know, now that the Kindle books are out there and they can lurk and know exactly what we're reading and how far we're reading. 77% of people don't finish uh, books that they start. Um, and and. 98% 98% if it's Moby Dick. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now my wife is the opposite of that. I mean, even if she's like 10 pages in and is like, I hate this book. She's going to finish it. And I'm like, ah, I, if I don't like it, I'm, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting rid of it. But to some degree, I felt in reading your book that I had to finish it because well, good. what good. kind of loser doesn't finish a book called Finish?
1: I know. I know. Right. It's <laughs> almost good. cheating. It's almost cheating. That's- positive peer pressure then that's fantastic <laughs> so one of the um
0: one of the first interesting kind of counterintuitive thoughts uh, in this book is this idea of cutting your goals in half so uh, tell me why you think that's not only good advice but you know one of the reasons that people don't finish
1: yeah well i mean part of what i wanted to do with this i had a researcher from the university of memphis approach me and say hey i want to study what you do and see if it works and that was intimidating at first because prior to that, I was like everybody else on the internet, just like saying what I feel is true in my heart. Hopefully it's right, you know? Um, and so he and I spent six months studying nearly 900 people. And I had this theory about goals. The theory was if you tried to lose 10 pounds and you only lost eight, you don't feel like, wow, look how close I got. You feel like you failed by two when you quit. Yeah. And, and then I had the theory that if I asked you to cut it to five, and you still lost the same exact eight pounds, you've won by three and you'll try again. So we asked people in the middle of this goal-setting challenge to cut their goals in half, and they were 63% more successful. Yep. Now, when you're looking for an up or an advantage, you're looking for 5%, 10%. So 63 is staggering. Yeah. But it's, not, it's more indicative of that we, we do things too big. Um, and I, I have some huge goals. I just have a lot of small goals along the way. I think one of the misconceptions with this idea is, oh, so you should only do small things that are easy to do. And like, no, not at all. I want to, but you shouldn't try to do them all at once. There's this habit where people go, I'm going to run. And I'll go, that's awesome. They go, yeah, I'm going to run a marathon. And I say, well, have you run a half marathon or like a 10K or a 5K or like even like a K? (laughs) Have you run a single K? And they're like, no, but for it to count, it has to be this massive thing. And I just don't think that's helpful. And I think that's why a lot of people – People do that with writing books. Yep. You know, statistically, eighty-one to ninety percent of people in America want to write a book. That's according to the New York Times, and less than one percent do. Yeah. And part of it is they go, they they don't write for ten years, and then they're like, "I'm doing it this weekend. I'm finishing my book." And you go, "Oh, that's not going to work. That's not how. That's not how it works." And so, I'm really encouraging people to have the right size. And you see companies do this. I just worked with a group of CEOs, and um, one of them was saying, "Yeah, we've got this person who's." going to become the ceo at our company in a year and he's already come out with this statement about how we're going to double revenue in the next two years and we haven't done that in 30 years and he said he did that because he wants to look strong and confident and aggressive but everyone there knows it's going to fail and so he's starting his ceo leadership on a failure yeah and it, that's toxic for teams
0: yeah so a friend of mine owns a bar and he has a, a a run every year and it is a 0.1 K. You basically run across the parking lot. Um, there you go. And uh, so you might want to put, you know, suggest some of your folks start there. That's a great starting point.
1: I bet. Does he have a sticker? Cause that'd be great. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he does. Uh, if, there's a t shirt. I know that for sure.
1: Nice.
0: Um, all right. Another concept that I thought was really interesting and we all can relate to this. You know, you start the big diet and 10 days in, you're doing great. And then you just like lose it one day and eat pizza. And then you're like, ah, oh, screw it. You know, why go back? So <laughs> day after perfect.
1: Yeah, well, again, it gets back to this idea of how it's going to be. So it's the concept of, you know, I, I have a nine-day streak going. I have a five-day streak, and then the minute I fail, the whole thing. I'm, I'm, you know, it's it's kind of like I ate a French fry, so I might as well eat a thousand, <laughs> um, and which is really, really easy to do. And so I'd much rather know that ahead of time, not be surprised by the imperfection, but say, okay, yeah, it didn't, it didn't work, and that's okay. Um, and, and here we go. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to start again. I think most goals are a pattern of a thousand different starts and going, Mm. okay, like fell off. Let me, let me try again. Okay. Got this. Let me try again. And I don't think that's failure. I think that's, that's the reality of it. So rather than be surprised, I'd want you to keep going. I mean, and there's days where I have a goal and I like, I do great on it. And then there's other days where like I eat queso. And that's like I don't know any diet that's like more queso. Um and so but you still have to, you know, you have to pick it back up. But that gets back to that all or nothing kind of mentality of I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. And I meet so many people that say, you know, I missed one day and that rolled into a month. And that and you'd think mathematically, like, that's dumb. No way that happens. But everybody has a story like that. Sure.
0: So a couple of the most enjoyable, at least laughable moments in the book for me is when you kind of started rambling about your kids and using them as examples, or in some cases just using it as an excuse to write funny dad stuff. Um, and and I have four daughters, and I I actually used to write a column for uh, the local paper, the Kansas City Star, and it was just kind of supposed to be funny, you know, parent kid stuff. Did you? Um, You've written enough books now that you probably have a lot of license, but uh, this is a sort of a author asking this question. Uh, did your editor push back on any of those? Uh, because of the nature of my kids? Nah, just more because they, you know, they they weren't all, always. And here I'm going to get myself in trouble here. But as an author, you know, they weren't always the same tone of the book. They were really. Almost stand-up comedy, <laughs> uh, which I absolutely loved, um, but I was curious if that uh, if that was a, even a conversation.
1: No, I would say they wanted me to go harder. Yeah, okay. Um, they, I mean, I think I th- I honestly think this is the best book I've written, and I think it's the funniest. It is a um, it because is, like yeah. the the Apple computer riff, yeah, that is a that's a stand-up comedy bit yeah. about like where do you even buy things in there. Like they got rid of registers, like. <laughs> I was good with registers. We've had a hundred year streak of registers. (laughs) Like why? Like that was fine with me. Um, and so like, no, those are the things I like doing that riff. I think, you know, you get it as a communicator, as a, as an idea guy, you find your niche and then you kind of have fun in it. And I know my niche, I'll never be as smart as a lot of authors. Um, but a lot of Business authors won't be as funny as me. Well, so, and my, so that's my, where I try to live.
0: Yeah. So my wife wrote, read this book, and I mean, true you know, I get stacks and stacks of books every week, and she rarely is interested in them. And she read the entire book, and she said that was one of the best business books you know I've seen. And I think she was including mine in, in that. Um, and and you know, I think it. I think that that uh, ability to have humor and still teach is really a gift.
1: Yeah, I, and it's it's how it's how I was raised. You know, I always tell people like that's that's kind of I you know it's it's from my dad. But I, I would say this: yesterday, I got into the car with my eighth grade daughter to go out to her sister's cross country meet, and she's like, "Hey, can we listen to, to a comedian?" And so I was like, "Sure." So we listened to Nate Bargatze on the drive over to the event, and so. I think that's part of my, like one of my favorite things of parenting is when you get to an age where you can do stuff like that, sure. where they have the, the self-awareness, they have the intelligence, and you get to have that kind of fun with them. That's really enjoyable.
0: Another great, um, back to the book, another great uh, concept, I think, and we've all been guilty of this because, I mean, if you're, if you're set a goal or you're trying to, create a new healthy habit you're kind of cramming something into what you've already got going and so this idea of choosing what to bomb you can't do it all and i think that's clearly a mistake a lot of people make is i'm going to run a marathon which is not going to take me like 5 hours on a saturday and nothing else is going to suffer
1: yeah that isn't that a funny the, the belief um, and the reality is nobody listening to this right now is like oh i hope hope there's a lot for me to do cuz i'm so i have so much free time like i'm tired of being on my yacht so we're all busy. We all feel that stress. And so I think the problem is we, we forget that, um, you know, when you add something, you have to remove something. And I think a lot of like, that's where a lot of mom guilt comes from, mm, you right. know, cause we see other mothers online and they're doing it all. And their kid speaks Mandarin and, you know, like <laughs> all this stuff and you go, Oh my gosh, I, I need to add, I need to add. And I think that's the problem with most time management books. Like very few of them are like, they might say, delegate some stuff, but they don't say, suck at some stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's where I tried to go a little harder and a little more aggressive is to come out and say, like, your yard is going to look terrible when you have toddlers. And that's fine. Or, you know, like some other part – your your exercise won't – you know, I, I put that in there. Shonda Rhimes, who just signed a huge deal with Netflix, mm. you know, does the show Scandal. And she said, when I'm running a show, I don't get to run much. Like, and that's not – so you have two options. You can ahead of time go, I'm not going to care about this thing on purpose, or you can try to do it all and feel shame in the middle. And shame always stops. It never, it never propels you forward.
0: Yeah, and I wonder how often that derails the goals too, or the the path towards the goal is. You, you know, you just get exhausted.
1: Oh yeah, well, and, that, and I think that's part of it. And mm. there's, you know, it is popular in our culture to say like always hustle, sleep when you're dead, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's not, that's never been my style. Yeah. Um, and I think there are definitely busy times and I, you know, there's seasons where I, I, you know, I'm going to travel a ton this fall. Like, but I won't, you know, I won't in December. Um, and I just said no to something in, um, November. So like, yeah, there's, there's times for it, but I don't, the hustle till you fall, it means you fell.
0: Yeah. That doesn't sound like much fun if you ask me. Nope. So one of the things I was really happy to see you point out, I, think I work I a lot of business owners and, and you know, as a business grows, you know, their objectives change, their goals change. And it's, it's almost a, you know, it's almost a cruel trick. You know, the horizon keeps moving away as you move towards it. And, and I think a lot of times uh, what they fail to do is turn around and look how far they've come. And, and I, I love your chapter on using data, you know, to kind of look back at how far you've come.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, it's just honest. Um, I think, you know, starting a business, running a business, being an entrepreneur, all these things. Um, I think that it's, it's all just data. And if you'll listen to your emotions, your emotions sometimes don't tell you the truth. And so, you know, the example I put in there, um, or there's, I mean, there's a million examples where somebody said, like the one I gave was, we did a big launch. I've, I've got courses I sell, you know, to help people work on their goals. And I had an idea in my head. It was going to be huge because I'm still a sucker for the promise of the Internet. And it was super small. And I was bummed out. And my, my um, partner said, hey, remember, it's always 4%. And it was 4% today. And it was 4% last time. And without that data, I just get to feel like yeah, a failure. Yeah. But with the data, I get to go, oh, that's right. I still want to change it. I want to grow it. But, oh, that's right. I mean, I just had this moment. My daughter um, has a private Instagram account, and she has now a public, like, um, photography one. And I never talk about them just because I want to give her some time to kind of figure herself out before I send over an audience. But she said, Dad, I put a story in my Instagram stories about my new account and asked people to follow it. And 100 people looked at it, and only one followed it. And I was like, welcome to social media. (laughs) And and so, but I get to tell her my data. And so, the problem, you know, which I talk about in the book, is we don't like the reality. So, like, we hate that restaurants in some states are required by law to put the calories on because I don't want to know them. Like, ignorance is bliss. But I really think in the long run, data serves you so well.
0: Hey, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this episode is brought to you by grade.us. That's grade.us. Uh, This is a tool that we use with all of our clients for reputation management. It works so well to build a review funnel. Getting those reviews on places like Google Plus and Yelp and industry review sites. So, so important today, both for SEO and certainly for social proof. Reviews, ratings, your reputation depends on it. Why not use a tool that makes it as easy as possible for those raving fans to give you the reviews in the places that you need it. Check it out at grade.us/dt. Another component that, uh, and I, you know, I've seen this in my own, and I think it's true of you know pretty much anybody who starts a business, uh, let alone trying to achieve a goal. And that's the the role of fun. That that if there's not something that you enjoy about what you're doing, you're probably not going to stick with it.
1: Yeah, I think that was the biggest surprise of the book for me um, was the ROI of fun. Because I think sometimes teams or companies go, we're not Google. We don't have a water slide in a lobby. We can't be fun. Or we're like, what we do isn't naturally fun, so therefore we are not fun. But that's not the point. the The principle is to make it fun. Fun takes you being deliberate. And so I was really encouraged to see that there's statistical data that applies to here's what happens if you have fun – and it's just intuitive. I mean you do things that you – like when you enjoy something, you'll naturally do it more than you would otherwise. Um, when you don't do something, it's like pulling teeth and you'll find a million different reasons not to do it. So yeah, it was. I was excited to go, wow, this gives me some ammo to go talk to companies and say, hey, I'm." it's not just me being silly or goofy. Like I'm not talking about whimsy necessarily. I'm talking about being deliberate about fun.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, a lot of times in marketing, you know, companies will ask, well, what social media platform should we be on? And, and there are some instances where, well, gosh, where do your customers hang out? But there are also instances where I've had people say, well, I, I love Pinterest, but I think Facebook's dumb. And it's like, well, go play on Facebook then. <laughs> or, I mean, go play on, it, on Pinterest then because if you enjoy it, you'll actually probably stick with
1: you'll it. You'll actually be there. Yeah, that's <laughs> the for, – for me with that, like – you know, to your audience, I always, when people ask me like, okay, I've got a hundred dollars, where should I invest it? I always say email. Like it's still the one that like, man, I love email. Um, and I, I, if you ask me biggest marketing mistake I made the last 10 years, I would say not focusing enough on email. Yeah. Like without, without, well, I, you know, the example I, like one of the examples I use is I've heard people say, many friends have told me yeah, I took three months off of Facebook. Or yeah, like, I only check Twitter once a week. I've never heard somebody say that about email. Yeah. I've never heard somebody say, ah, I took four months off of email. Like, no, you didn't, because you don't know anything then. Like, your kid's school stuff, yeah. your work. So I'm just such a fan of email now.
0: So one of the 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 factors, I think, that plays a huge role in this as far as I'm concerned, and, and – you know, it really comes down to fear. You talk about hiding places and, and, um, I can't remember the other term you used is essentially rationalization, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know what? So, so like some people talk about fear of success, you know, being as bad as fear of failure. I mean, what role does that come into achieving or finishing goals?
1: I think it plays a huge role. Um, and if you don't ever struggle with it, it sounds like crazy talk. Like yeah. if you've never had it, it sounds like, fear of enjoying life. Um, but it happens for a number of reasons. One, like it could happen because you had weird information from your parents. Right. Like maybe you had a mom that when, you know, when she'd see a nice car or when she'd walk down the street and see a nice house would say, must be nice. And there was this some sense of like, like they they have a different life than we do. Or my friend who's really successful, his mom used to always say, the only way they could have a house that big is they're doing something illegal. Yeah. And he eventually had to say, like, Mom, that's that doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> But, you know, she probably inherited that from her mom. Now, in the South, where I live, the Bible Belt, people add a religious element to that. Right. So there's a, you know, I had a friend the other day say, that CEO makes $20 million a year. How do you think he sleeps at night? And I wanted to say probably on, like, Hungarian down pillow, pillows. Like, probably pretty nice. But he had established a secret rule in his life that... $5 million is okay, but $10 million, that's where it's sinful. Yeah. Um, I had a, a musician in Nashville, a Christian musician, say, if you drive a $75,000 Suburban, people say, good for you, it's a good family car. If you buy a $75,000 BMW, they say, oh, Jesus, could you use that money? So it's interesting what hang-ups we bring into the success conversation. And the other thing is that then it creates expectation. I have a friend, she's a brilliant public speaker – she doesn't like to do it a lot because once people find out she's good they expect it. She'd rather show up and surprise you yeah. than have the reputation of being really good and not be able to live up to it. So there's a lot of those factors.
0: Well, I always saw it the other way around. Once I had a best-selling book, I didn't have to be good anymore. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, you just got to coast <laughs> on all the money authors make. Sure. Exactly. So the the last chapter, of course, Final Fears
0: of Perfection and and kind of what like happens if you're going to actually achieve the goal and I, in my earliest part of my career, earliest part of my business, I worked on a lot of political campaigns and I distinctly remember sort of a, an air of depression, you know, after a campaign was over. Cause I mean, talk about a goal. It's like, it's, it's a deadline. It's done, yep. right? It's done win or lose. It's done. Um, and I remember distinctly being sort of depressed for the next week because that thing was done. And, and I think that you touch on that being kind of something that holds people back to That it's like, what's going to happen now?
1: Well, and especially if you've wrapped up your identity into it. Yeah. You know, if you've decided this is the thing, you know, this is the thing that, like, it's not what I'm doing, it's who I am, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it ends. I mean, you see, but you see football players deal with that all the time. Like, God God bless professional athletes who from the age of six played Pop Warner and now at 28 are considered old. And you've got like 50 years of life left. (laughs) Um, You know, that's really intimidating. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think there is a fear of what's next. Um, there's a fear. Uh, well, the, one of the other fears is once it's out, it's different. Like it's one thing for you to have a book you love and you wrote and it's your baby. It's another thing for it to be on Amazon and having strangers go. I thought it was dumb and the main character I hated so much. And that's very different. So a lot of people, they're afraid to actually finish because it kicks off another part of the project. Yeah. We're like, oh, now there's people in your store shopping. You'd much rather go, Ah, it's just something I dream about, you know, and I'll go to the grave with it. Nobody says that, but that's (laughs) what they do.
0: So do you think there's any, um, you know, a lot of people set goals with like, I'm going to make X money or I'm going to lose X weight because then I'll be happy. Um, And then they reach that and it's like, wait a minute, I'm not instantly happy. Uh, What role does that
1: play? Yeah, the goal won't fix you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, that's, what's fascinating to me about, there are certain states that people think will fix them. Mm-hmm. I would say Florida and California, for instance, oh, wow. where people you, you move meant, you meant from other ge- po-
0: geography. <laughs> I thought you meant like states of being, but
1: no. no, I mean, like there are people in Florida that thought I just need to be around the beach more and then my problems will go away. Mm-hmm. Or once I get to California, I'll be a different me. Yeah. And that's intimidating. I mean, it's the same thing with goals. You know, once I acquire this thing then I'll be happy. But that's... I don't know if I'm completely bought into that it's not the destination, it's the journey. Yeah. But I think that gets back to the joy. You have to enjoy it. Here's here's kind of how I look at it. Um, I don't believe any longer that if I... Like, I don't believe any longer that the definition of success for me as an author is to sell a million books. Then I'll know it was a successful book. Yeah. That can't be my definition because I don't control that. Right. What I can say is, I want to write about something that, regardless of how well it sells, I'm a better person because I went through the experience. So this year, I'll read 156 books. I read 10 last year because I learned how to finish. So I can say, the book hasn't even come out yet. I can say, I know it's a success because I've applied the principles, and it's been awesome.
0: Well, I think it's time for us to finish. I'm sorry. I, I had that. I know. Like I know, I know that was and locked I, and loaded yeah, yeah. for probably the entire interview. <laughs> John, thanks so much for joining us. Where can people find out more about you and all of your books and anything else they want to know?
1: Yeah, so acuff.me is my website. So it's just acuff.me. Um, is the easiest way, and then on Twitter I'm, you know, John Acuff, J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F, um, and Facebook I'm Author John Acuff. But I would say probably what's most helpful if you've got an audience of folks that like marketing, um, like you and I do, is that I write a kind of entrepreneur's marketing idea once a week, um, and it's just Acuff.me/business, cool. and it's. you know me sharing what i've learned what's worked what didn't work and just an honest kind of email conversation
0: and we'll have all these uh, in the show notes for those of you listening so you're in nashville and uh, hopefully next time i'm down there i'll be able to bump into you but i think one of my last guests jeff goins is he uh, somebody you know
1: Oh yeah, he yeah. lives. We live in the same town. He's yeah. ten minutes from here. I'm okay. a I'm a big Jeff Goins fan.
0: Yeah, he was just on. In fact, um, when you were talking about uh, these hiding places, you know that his his work on Starving Artists certainly is a great you know place. You you were talking about how you know you, you you'll sell out you know if you sell your art, and you know that's a reason to not actually go out there and try to sell it.
1: Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's silly.
0: <laughs> that was definitely there. So John, thanks for joining us. And uh, again, like I said, well now I got t- two reasons to come to Nashville.
1: No, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. I'm sure we'll run into each other at some point.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I wonder if you could do me a favor. Could you leave an honest review on iTunes? Your ratings and reviews really help, and I promise I read each and every one. Thanks.